0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Single Seater Space Podcast in this episode we'll be discussing whether formula one teams made the right decision in terms of their driver transfers for 2023 and in the wake of cop 27 what the environmental impacts are of formula one and formula e and how they can establish themselves as forces for good on the global stage make sure to check out all of our content on our website singleseaterspace.co.uk and you can find us on social media using the at space enjoy Now, I know we're in the off-season, but we've still got plenty of content coming your way with our Tuesday weekly podcast. And on this one, we'll be talking about F1, Formula 2 and Formula E. So there's loads to dive our teeth into in these slightly shorter episodes during the off-season, but we've still got lots to talk about. So we're going to dive straight in. We're looking at the 2023 Formula 1 driver changes. And we'll start, I guess, with Nick DeVries. So Dylan, Nick DeVries to AlphaTauri, what do you think?
1: I think it's great for Nick. I made a video a long, long time ago on Nick DeVries calling him the the biggest wasted talent of motorsport because I do rate him as a driver. Um, His display in 2019 um, was absolutely phenomenal. The amount of pace he had over everyone else was fantastic, which, I mean, should be a given, given how many seasons he had prior. However, he was... He was very competitive, and I I expected to see him in F1 sooner. However, um, obviously, the opportunities constantly evaded him up to this point. Um, I didn't see him entering F1 with the Red Bull Academy, however. I don't know. I'm not sure if Nick Nick DeVries is quite the option that AlphaTauri need when they could have a Liam Lawson in there, because DeVries is getting older now, um, and he doesn't necessarily have enough experience to warrant his age being a rookie in Formula 1. I don't know. What do you think, James?
0: I think the AlphaTauri announcement, I feel myself, was extremely reactionary. I mean, he was thrown into the Williams, having tried out the Aston Martin, the Mercedes, like the McLaren, perhaps the Alpine in their mid-season test as well. So he was was starting free trials all over the shop with different Formula One teams. He got thrown into the Williams at the Italian Grand Prix because Alex Albon had appendicitis. And he performs remarkably. I mean, he beat Nicolas Latifi in Formula 2 in 2019. He then turned up and beat him in his first weekend in Formula 1. Scoring points, qualifying very well as well. And I think Alpha Tauri, they weren't really sure. You know, Dr. Helmut Marco is very much, you perform in the Red Bull Academy or you're out. And because the three or four juniors, I'm not going to count Iwasa um, for that because it's his first season in Formula yeah. 2. But Daruvula, um, Vips and Lawson weren't really doing as, as as expected, I guess, for them. They needed a driver. Um, and so their, uh, De Vries into AlphaTauri was very reactionary. So for me, yes, it's nice that De Vries has a seat. And I think it's definitely, definitely, um, you know, the right thing for his career. But for AlphaTauri, I don't know. Maybe it's not quite the, the, the path that they normally go down, but um, it's definitely a strong choice for them.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But as I said before... It does feel as if De Vries has been thrown around a bit, if you will, Um, obviously starting at McLaren, um, ending up at AlphaTauri. But yeah, I think for AlphaTauri, if they need just a consistent driver, because obviously they're still going to have Yuki in there, perhaps De Vries is just a placeholder while Iwasa kind of warms up to Formula 2 a bit more um, because I could imagine AlphaTauri having two Japanese drivers, two young Japanese drivers in there in the future. So I do feel quite sorry for De Vries in the sense that I do believe that he is a placeholder, Um, but it is a chance in Formula 1. So can you really feel sorry for a guy who's got a confirmed seat? No, but I don't think he's there purely. I don't think he's there long term, if you will.
0: Yeah, I I feel. I mean, it's almost a bit of a stopgap, isn't it? Mm. Um, But then again, it also comes down to how much longer does Dr. Helvet Marco give Yuki Tsunoda as well? Whilst this season in 2022 was much better, it wasn't sparkling. And with Red Bull, you know, they're very, very ruthless. We saw it with Kvyat. We saw it with Albon. So we even saw it with Gasly. Um, So, you know... It's how much patience does Dr. Helmut Marco have? And the other person that Dr. Helmut Marco was considering for that seat before he was snapped up in the summer's most exciting story was Oscar Piastri. So, Dylan, what do we think of Oscar Piastri to McLaren?
1: Well, as a Porsche fan, I've never liked Piastri because uh, he has constantly been the rival. However, I can appreciate Piastri's talent and I can understand why McLaren wanted him. Um, in the same breath, I think they were a little bit... Um, unjust to Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, they didn't necessarily give him the most notice in the world before it all, and it was all a bit dodgy, uh, especially considering the fact that Piastri was also a part of the Alpine Academy, if you remember rightly. So that was, that was all a bit of a weird series of events however piastri is a quick driver and i think he is the kind of driver that mclaren would want to see alongside lando norris because lando lando's an experienced driver now it's easy to forget because he is still very young but he is the experience that a team needs if if you know what i mean
0: well yeah because lando will be entering his fifth season of formula one which is no mean feat i mean not many drivers get make it past 100 grand prix starts and he'll be with that um with that moment uh, halfway through the 2023 season. So, yeah, Lando Norris is obviously now the experienced driver. Piastri coming in, you can't fault his junior record. I mean, to win a championship in three back-to-back seasons, going from Formula Renault, Formula 3, and then winning Formula 2 as a rookie, which is highly, highly impressive. Mm. Um, And to do it almost so dominantly, it was wrapped up pretty much in the final round. Um, uh, so, yeah, Oscar Piastri is going to be a really, really, really important driver to look out for next year because was it bright of him to burn the Alpine bridge? We all saw the tweet that said that I won't be signing for Alpine after Alpine tried to throw him in there as soon as they possibly could. Do we think that was the right choice to burn that bridge? Um, do you think that could have been handled better from either party? What do we think?
1: Well, given given Fernando's move to Aston... Um there there was kind of an opening at Alpine, if you will. I mean, I know Pierre Gasly's always been rumoured to go to Alpine since the dawn of time, but I'm, I, we, we can't really predict too much about next season yet, but Alpine are looking in a better shape than McLaren in today's climate. So I think perhaps Piastri could have missed out on a golden opportunity to drive for a better team. But in the same breath, I also think that McLaren perhaps has more... Um, more going forward, uh more promise in the future. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that because of my hat. I'm saying that because I genuinely believe it. So, I, I we could see we could see Lando Norris and Piastri fighting for wins in a, in a couple of years time. I I reckon so.
0: Do we reckon that Alpine was the short-term sensible option but McLaren has a higher ceiling perhaps? Ye- um, yeah, I would I would be
1: inclined to agree. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of where the where the promise came from. And I, I think the, the Alpine announcement of Piastri was the strangest thing. It was mm. done at 2 o'clock in the morning Australian time for another Australian driver on the grid. That felt a little bit suspicious. So when he came out with the tweet saying, I've been informed, like, without my permission, Alpine released this, all oh, hell broke loose in August. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was very, very exciting. And then the last one we're going to talk about, I guess, Nico Hülkenberg to Haas. He has had so many chances in Formula One. He's 35 years old now. What do we think?
1: <sighs> I don't want to say anything rude. I don't want to say anything mean, but Hulk- I love Hulkenberg as a guy. He's a sound. He's a sound guy. Like he, 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 he's a consistent driver. But he's not the driver that Haas needs. We discussed this last week. We were talking about um, we we're talking about Haas needing a consistent, reliable um accident-free driver um and i just don't think hulkenberg's necessarily got the pace to bring has the points that they need um in order to climb the championship in order to actually start building on themselves as as like a kind of up and coming team because they're 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 only looking worse and worse at the moment like i in in, with the current state of things i wouldn't give has much more than two more years in formula one Unless they can turn it around next season and score a good handful of points. But there are so many other drivers I could have named instead of Nico Hülkenberg that would have been a better choice. What about you, James?
0: I want to disagree with you and say he was the best option that was available. Because for Haas, they've tried the Formula 2 champion and it hasn't worked at all. Um, They've brought back an experienced driver and it's worked better without being amazing. I mean, Magnuson's been hot and cold, flash in the pan, but when the but when it's been good, it's been really, really good. So I'm gonna say it's the right choice. But then again, it's not a long-term choice. Again, it's a stopgap. And you say that you might see Hass out. What do you think might replace them? Do you think Andretti, perhaps? It's always been rumoured that Michael wants to get involved in Formula 1 and the FIA are making it as hard as possible for him mm-hmm. to do so. Do we think Michael Andretti's a Formula 1? Do we think a manufacturer takes over? We know our Audi are taking over Alfa Romeo in 2026. What do we think?
1: I think with the current state of Formula 1 and the popularity that it's receiving at the moment is kind of enough to tickle the fancy of any of the big manufacturers you know so we could we could be seeing the likes of bmw and all that looking a little bit interested in the future so that's certainly a possibility andretti definitely a possibility as well i'd love to just see a 24 car grid again to be honest like i don't think there's anything wrong with having more cars on the grid i know it's a pain for for like transport and all that but that, that's not what the fans are thinking of you know so um but uh, on with your point about Hulkenberg being the right driver, I think I know this is this is like a like a long shot. But I think even the likes of Daniel Kvyat would be a better driver for Haas than Nico Hulkenberg. I don't I don't have much to back up my point. That's just what my gut's telling me.
0: If that if that makes sense. Do so we think nationality could be a little bit of a problem? there? Could though, be a problem,
1: but the, I mean a driver like Daniel theory. Kvyat, he's not too old oh, yeah. yet. You know, he had a good bit of experience. It, they need someone like K. Mag. They need 2K mags, if, if that makes yeah, sense. Just, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Copy, paste. Because when one's hot, the other one will be cold. And yeah. so when the other one is cold, it'll be hot. So that'll be awesome. Um, but you briefly touched on transport, which is exactly where I want to move to next. Um, the Formula One 2023 calendar was released a while ago. And it's taken me a little while to process my thoughts. And COP27 was last week. And so I started thinking about it again the calendar is interesting to say the least formula one wanting to be carbon neutral by 2030 and then flying around the world going from my favorite parts is the Spain is the Imola to Miami to Spain Um, or maybe, or we're going Europe, America, Europe before then going Cota to Mexico to Brazil and then back to Vegas before jetting off to Abu Dhabi. Um, It doesn't work, does it? Oh, the Baku to Canada double header as well is a personal favorite. Mm. Um, what do we, think? Do we <laughs> I lo- think? I love the way you're talking about it. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's well, it's not. It doesn't sit right with me that there's so much flying when they could do it so much more logically. Yeah, no,
1: it it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I want to think that there are reasons behind it. I mean, that's the that's the kind of bone that I always throw for the FIA. But I'm starting to think that perhaps there's there's not much of a reason behind most of what the FIA do, now, the FIA do nowadays. So, um. Yeah, no, obviously not very good at all, especially given how how much they're talking about trying to strive to be to being carbon neutral, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I I don't have much to add to what you said. To be honest, I'm completely with you on that one. Um, yeah, I can understand it from a calendar standpoint. If it was like a like a Formula One kind of esports league and you didn't have the transport and that the kind of. Array of the tracks, like like the lineup of the tracks, does work in kind of a progression sense. Does that make any
0: sense? Like well, looking yeah, but being back Brazil as or... the season finale. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Brazil as the season finale, because even in a geographical sense, if you go Vegas, Austin, Mexico. Brazil yeah. you finish in the right place and you know Brazil this year you were talking about it last week it was like a different sport compared to Abu Dhabi yeah it was amazing
1: yeah no, no no Brazil I think Brazil being the season finale is something that no one can disagree with to be honest with you I know I know it's fun having the cars race under the lights but in that case let's just build some floodlights around Sao Paulo That'd be that, that would yeah. be flipping epic man
0: oh it would be awesome yeah. Um, but then, yeah, track temp would be freezing, though. <laughs> could you imagine trying to get some heat into some fresh hard tyres, just, just, just especially the softest if it had rained? Compounds. Yeah, well, you could take the softest. Comp- mm. I think they do pretty much take the softest compound. Oh no, it's quite high on tyre It's probably somewhere in the middle. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess speaking about all the movement and stuff and the transport and Formula One's impact on the environment. I know obviously it's not the cars that the problem. It's always the transport. Mm. Do we think that? This opens the door for Formula E to prove itself, I guess. Both of them have their strength in terms of car technology and battery building and implementing things into road cars to make them more energy efficient. Do we think that the Gen 3 Formula E could be the turning point for the series? I'd, I'd like to say yes,
1: uh I haven't been the most avid watcher of Formula e, Formula E. I I watched the first race um and I've watched a, a good few from Gen 2. But I I'm, I just don't know. The atmosphere at the Grand Prix just doesn't seem good enough yet to warrant being b- viewed as better than Formula 1. You know, I know Formula and en- f- the the Formula 1 engines don't sound nearly as good as they used to. Um but they still still sound a damn lot better than the <laughs> Or attack idiot, kettles I mean. that we get in formula e you know
0: um yeah i think it's the sound sometimes that puts people yeah. off and i want to say that it's almost how the series markets itself i guess mm. what does what does formula e want to put in and get out it's almost like how does indycar market itself because yeah. you can't see indycar as american formula one because they're so different yeah so seeing formula e as oh people people jokingly call it a oh, retirement home formula yeah. one but it shouldn't if you try and market it as something completely different Mm. that that could work you know maybe racing um carbon neutral racing around around some of the world's most famous streets i mean they're going to cape town this year which is awesome they're Mm. making use of uh well a a slightly not quite disused but an important but um part of town that isn't really used so much there's that massive world cup football stadium that they're racing around which Mm. hasn't been filled for years yeah so that might help um they race in mexico a bit like formula one does that brings in crowd they race i mean the london race is 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 well supported as well so i guess it's just how the series markets itself i feel like this year definitely could be a door opening um but we're gonna have to see
1: yeah especially with the faster cars than that like i'm actually more inclined to watch it but i also think the biggest selling point of formula E is the fact that it's on when no other motorsport is um which again is the, is the reason i'm more likely to watch it because there is simply nothing else on so i think as a whole formula E is such an amazing concept but it's an amazing concept that not enough people are getting behind yet and it's because of the way that everything is run it's not quite unique enough yet to be interesting enough for new fans if that makes if that makes any sort of sense
0: well, yeah, and it starts two months before Formula One does. Uh, mm. On the 14th of January, I believe, is when we kick off for Formula E, compared to the th- the 5th of March is race day for both IndyCar and Formula One. So we've got a doubleheader, which, of course, we'll be covering on the Single Seater Space website and on this podcast. But we've still got weekly podcasts up until then. Uh, and I think we've covered all the material that we want to talk through um, on this slightly shorter uh, podcast during the off season it'll be every tuesday and you can catch up with all our articles on single space.co.uk um, dylan and i are making tiktoks so you can catch that at single seater space instagram is single seater space and the twitter is single seater underscore uh, that's all from us this time and we'll see you next week Bye.